We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Detroit Lions select Jameer Gibbs, running back, Alabama. Goff looks, Goff throws, caught inside the one, fighting for the end zone and getting in for the touchdown. Detroit Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown. There's the snap, he's got it, wants to throw. Wentz looks, looks, pressure cuts, went, hit, sack, back inside the 20. Aiden Hutchinson, that's number two. Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 316 on the Blue White Network. I am Euros Tyler, joined by my two guys, as always, Mr. Malcolm Hart here. Boys, how we feeling? Feeling great, man. Tough matchup against the Ravens. Looking forward to it. Malcolm, what's up with you, bro? I'm going to try to woo. Let me see if I can get it out right now. Uh, No, I can't do it. I still can't do it. My voice is still, my voice is still, I, I attended the game. Everybody knows I attended the game last week. My voice is still gone, so I can't, I can't do the woo. So I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> just you sound much, it's not much better this time. I do sound this much better. I just, I just can't, I just can't woo right now. I just can't do the woo. Yeah. All right. Well, we got ourselves a very special guest from the Believe in Ravens on the Believe in Network, Super Bowl uh, tight end from Super Bowl 37, Daniel Wilcox. Daniel, how you doing, my man? I'm great, guys. Tyler, Malcolm, Pierre, thank you guys so much for having me on, man. Excited about this episode. Getting ready to play the Detroit Lions, man. Um, excited about it. I'm happy to be on the show. Appreciate you coming on, Daniel. Yeah, and, you know, just curious because, you know, the Lions had a bad rep probably when you were playing. Probably didn't have the greatest rep. Now, you know, you see yep. they're 5-1 and one right now. Like, what, what are your initial thoughts of looking on the outside in on the Detroit Lions right now? I'm actually happy for the city of Detroit. You know, I've every time I've been to Detroit, it's always been one of, like, the most depressing cities I've ever been in. Like, it's always cloudy. The skies are gray. It seems like it's always raining every time I go. And, um, and I think I played the Lions in Detroit twice my entire career. I think I played nine seasons in the NFL, only been to Detroit twice. And then my, my oldest son, mom, is from Detroit. You know, so me and her kind of never got along. So every time I go to Detroit, it was, you know, it was to go see my kid or something like that. And it was always under bad circumstances. So I just kind of got a bad taste in my mouth about the city of Detroit. But as far as the Lions, I grew up watching Barry Sanders and that was my guy. You know, I love Barry, man. Barry still to me is the dopest running back ever. A good friend of mine just just designed a custom coat for Barry Sanders. Um, And it's, it was it had his picture in it, it had all his yardage and everything on the inside. And then it was really 
really, really dope coat. He's the same guy that does the the, um, the Colorado jackets for Deion Sanders. That's awesome. You know, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, I think the city of Detroit, I'm a muscle car guy, you know, so I love Ford Motors and all that stuff. So every time I went, I wanted to experience the Ford, you know, the Ford factories, the Ford stuff that goes on up there. And we always stayed in that hotel downtown Detroit where all the Ford stuff is right underneath it. Yeah, so it was always pretty cool, man. It's a cool city. Um, happy, man, to see the the team doing well, especially since the head coach is a former player and he's actually a tight end like myself. So excited about that. For, excited for you guys for that. But unfortunately, this week won't be one of those weeks that you guys will be happy. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, so you're right. We'll, we'll see pretty, about that. Yeah, you know, they're a pretty good damn football team themselves. Four and two. They're at home. Yep. Actually, um, yep. our, our favorites in this game, even though they're playing a five and one team. What has been the overall thoughts of the Baltimore Ravens around the fan base and for you? Well, you know, we we every year in Baltimore, right? This is one of my game helmets from like my last season in Baltimore. Can you guys see that? You know, yeah, yeah we, can. we can see that. Oh, yeah, we got yeah, everybody. See. Yeah, everybody's yeah. seen Turner. Well, it was my it was the last team I played on, so you know, it's got the whole crew on there, man. But every year, you know, we're always trying to compete. You know, for one of these things, man. You know, we want a we want a Lombardi Trophy. No matter what, that's what the whole thing is about for us. Anything less than that in the city of Baltimore, you're not playing like a Raven. We're always shooting for the stars, and every year we expect our team to be in the Super Bowl contention. We we never expect anything less. And of course, we've had horrible seasons in the past. We've had some bad seasons where we we thought we was going to jump off. You know, we jumped off to a four and zero start or a five and zero start, and all of a sudden the wheels fall off. Everybody starts getting hurt and you know i don't know what it is you know we've had some bad luck as of late and you know this year we've already lost two games that i feel like we shouldn't have lost you know we really should have won those two games and the season started off last year the exact same way you know we jumped up on miami that first get like early in the season last year miami came back and beat us in the fourth quarter and the defense just broke down with busted plays last year and this year man you know we're we were hot i feel like we was coming to this season at such a high and then we've already had some early injuries with obj and them going down and now we're back in the hunt with everybody back on the field finally and then you go and you play Pittsburgh and drop like freaking 80 passes. <laughs> Stuff that never happens in the NFL, right? You know, everybody usually catches the ball when you throw it. That's why you get to be an NFL receiver is because you don't drop balls. You know, so you have a guy with almost all five receivers drop a ball in one game, and it's kind of unheard of, man. So it just kind of got you feeling a little bit weird about the season. But, you know, we're expecting Baltimore to be definitely a Super Bowl contender this year, going deep into the playoffs, another AFC championship type thing. And, and let's see with the chips fall we hope nothing but the best for the team all right you already mentioned some of the injuries let's let's do the injury report right now and then we'll we'll get into this game a little bit so yeah just looking at the baltimore injury report from here you guys got a couple injuries today on Clowney on wednesday did not practice that was rests uh, slash a knee injury you got oday away was limited uh with an ankle you got linebacker malik harrison with concussion who was limited and now some of your DMPs, you had uh, defensive end Brett Urban, safety Marcus William, and cornerback uh, Kavon Seymour. So got a couple of uh, DMPs, but for the most part, pretty healthy relatively. I don't know about your IR situation, but it looks like just from going from injury report, not too banged up. Right. Well, yeah, I think we are. We're probably about as healthy right now as we've been in past years in week six, you know, so I'm happy about that for sure. And then, you know, the clowny thing that that's def that definitely hurts us if he don't play. He's probably had more missed sacks than the leading sack guy has right now. I mean, he if he had, if he had all the sacks that he's had rushes, he would probably be sitting at about twenty sacks right now. He's put 
quarterbacks week in and week out and just he's one step away or one finger short from pulling the guy down for a sack man he's had a bunch of missed opportunities this season so his pressure if he doesn't play would definitely be missed on the quarterback and it'll definitely disrupt some things for the Detroit Lions if he plays so we'd love to have him back and of course Owe is one of those guys that's just been a young talent that we're waiting to see to explode on the scene and just waiting to see some great things happen from him and we know it's coming you know we know it's coming it just hasn't happened fully for that guy yet and um you know Brent Irvin is another defensive guy that we would love to have back and we we gotta have Marcus Williams man he's a freaking stud that kid from Notre Dame has been just nonstop great from um since week probably week three week four of last season he's been nothing short of spectacular for us so we'd love to have all those guys guys back and playing against Detroit uh Marcus probably won't make it with a hamstring injury for sure but you know Malik Harrison will definitely be out but Owe has a shot to play I think and then Clowney it depends on how bad that knee is I don't know if it's a bruised bone or something like that but it'd be great to have him back out down on the field as well sweet uh Pierre what's the lines you're well it says on Clowney there's four yeah, one quick thing. On the injury report, it said on Clowney, N-I-I-R. For Clowney, it says not injury-related, rest slash knee. So I think Clowney is good. Okay, I like that. That makes me feel real good. Thanks, Pierre. Good looking out. Yeah, not a problem. Um, question for you, though. You guys drafted a Michigan defensive end last year. Lions took Hutch. You guys took, uh, damn, drawing a blank on his name. Uh, Michigan Tyler, who was that guy that, out of Michigan that was opposite Hutch? Yeah. I know exactly. You don't mind the one that tore his Achilles? Michigan defensive end. Yes, yes. How has he looked this year? He's been great, man. Um, uh, he played I, opposite I, of Hutch last year. I forgot his yeah, name. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't think of his name right now either. I got to let me go on my depth chart and I'll pull it up and tell you. But um, he's played he's played decent. He's just like Oway for me. He we're just kind of waiting on him to kind of really pop and blow up. And what happens is when you get like those injuries, like Achilles injuries, like those lower extremity injuries, you're usually always one step shy from getting a sack or one step shy from scripping the ball. Right. You're always one step slower. So until he gets that step back he's not going to be super explosive. I don't know. I don't know if you remember the Terrell Suggs injury where he popped his Achilles too, and he ended up missing the whole season, but he came back the next year. He was a little bit slower, but that year after that, he was explosive again. He looked like his old T sizzle self, man. So I think he's probably one year away. Me, my personal opinion, my professional opinion as being a former player, I think he's probably um, at least another nine, maybe 10 months or 12 months away from being the guy that I think we drafted him to be. And I, I think having him in that system with Mike McDonald, you know, he'll grow underneath them. It was the same exact system they had at Michigan, so he knows the defense very well. And I think he'll get that step back with just knowledge and just being a smart player over time. So we're talking about David Ojabo. Is that who you're – Ojabo, yeah. David Ojabo. Absolutely. Came back to Absolutely. Yeah. Pierre, the injury report for the Lions. Um, So here's the Lions injury report. Guard Jonah Jackson with an ankle. Yeah, here's the Lions injury report. Uh, guard Jonah Jackson with an ankle didn't practice. Running back David Montgomery with ribs didn't practice. Craig Reynolds with hamstring and a toe didn't practice. And Brian Branch, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, James Mitchell, Josh Pascal, Frank Regna were all limited. I would expect all the limited guys to go. The no practice are a little concerning. The Lions right now are really thin at running back. So we'll see what they do there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, running back's an issue right now. And seeing Craig on as a DMP on Wednesday, obviously there's some time that he could hopefully get on the field. But, um, 
yeah, we're thin right there. No Montgomery most likely this week, and we'll see what happens with Craig. Getting Jameer back is big, but other than that, I mean, you're really thin. You're, you got Ozigbo, who was just from the practice squad, who played a little bit versus Tampa Bay. So, Mo yeah. Ibrahim. And Mo Ibrahim, who you just signed back to the practice squad, who was with them on training camp. So, hmm. yeah, definitely definitely very thin at running back, but good to get Brian Branch out there. It looks like he's turning towards playing, which is, which is big like for that. our nickel cornerback. Yeah, I like that for you guys. Brian Branch is a kid yeah. that I've seen early. He's a Georgia kid so he's from my area i was actually coaching i was doing di- i was director recruiting and director of player personnel at georgia state university back in 18 and 19 i think brian might have been maybe 14 years old around this time and i actually he he trained with a, a guy that i got a lot of respect for a game a guy named andre powell and andre kind of raised brian you know he kind of raised him up training with him his program is called pass the athletic league and brian was a kid i came down to look at this white kid they had at receiver and I watched Brian move around and I was, I, I might've been, I might've been guys, don't quote me on this hundred percent, but I might've been the first guy to tell Brian Branch that he was going to be a pro guy, you know? And I told, I told um my buddy, I was like, bro, who the, who the heck is that kid? He's like, he's only 14. I was like, that's a 14 year old kid. I was like, dog, he's special. He's different. I promise you right now, if that kid continues to work, he going to be that dude. I went back, told you Georgia state about him. Georgia state wasn't interested in looking at a younger kid. Kid ends up at Alabama gets drafted to the daggone Detroit Lions and balled out. Pick one, pick six, first game, everything. I'm, I'm in here yelling for Detroit. I ain't never cheered for Detroit. <laughs> yeah, get him, Brian. You know, so I'm excited to see that kid on your team, man. I think you guys got a heck of a, heck of a steal. I think he'll be a corner for a long time in this league and do very, very great. And towards the latter part of his years, he's physical enough where he can move to the safety spot and still murder people, you know. So you guys definitely lucked up. Whoever's in the front office in Detroit right now, y'all better respect that guy don't don't sleep on him he, he's a unique talent he he obviously knows what he's doing by drafting that brian branch kid i think that was a steal for you guys oh brad holmes yeah, of course I mean, yeah, we brad love holmes. Brad holmes. yeah. We, when That's he awesome. was actually hired there was an article that compared him to like young ozzy newsome there there was like i forgot who it was but see, there was like one see? nfl guy he's like this guy's like a young ozzy newsome man i may be i may be very talented myself i just haven't figured it out yet i'm telling you <laughs> i saw that kid and then i'm giving your guy props you know ozzy's my guy love ozzy to death man former tight end as well just like your coach in detroit yeah. man campbell I'm, I'm i'm really happy for the city of detroit man i'm happy to see a turnaround and to me any kind of joy and pride that you can have behind that line logo i think just you know just ripples through the heart of the city and i think the whole city will jump behind detroit as they continue to have success this year but not this week not this week but the week after this for sure <laughs> we'll for see sure. about that we'll see about yeah. that so yeah, so then, let, me ask, let me ask you a question man i'm not sure if you've been seeing what's going on in detroit as far as these fans traveling like they are taking over stadiums i just i, I just love came it. from tampa um yeah. and half of the stadium was blue man yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Was, it, was, it was a crazy atmosphere um yeah. congratulations it really, man <laughs> it really that's, that's seemed dope. like a home game for detroit or is baltimore like kind of worried about lions fans kind of taking over the stadium and no well, our season tickets have been sold out years years ago we always sold out so okay. we're not we're not worried about Detroit coming to take over MT bank no it's the bank baby you know <laughs> you go to the bank when you want money all right we, we're we, gonna we rob that money. bank we're robbing yeah. that bank on Sunday hey you better you better because you better come up there in all black because you best believe we will wear all black because we robbing <laughs> steel we're Ravens for a reason Raven is all black bird yeah, I don't know if you know that yeah they are gonna wear all black yeah we know yeah you know how white people are when they see black people walking down the street they move to the other side of the 
street. All right, no. This ain't the stadium. This ain't the stadium right here, guys. I'm telling you, just you're walking into Raven country right now, so just be ready. It won't be a blue out. It'll be a blackout before it's anything. Hey, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, ready, I'm ready for a dog I, fight, man. I think it's going to be really good. He knows got, about both fan bases, too. He played for the Buccaneers, so you could you could tell us the difference between Bucks and Ravens fans. I mean, no shot to Bucks fans, but are you saying Ravens fans are more passionate? Um, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. So when I was in Tampa – I was on I was on this team. I was on the Super Bowl team in Tampa. This is a right. Tampa Bay Super Bowl replica trophy, right? So I was on that team in Tampa. And I we had what I can say about the, the city of Tampa, it's a freaking phenomenal city. The fans are dope. I remember winning the Super Bowl. I remember coming back flying over the stadium and our stadium was absolutely full packed house. Like we played in San Diego. We flew back to Tampa. We flew over the stadium in the plane, the private plane that we was in, and they're taking pictures of our plane from the stadium. You can see, you see nothing but flashes like the opening kickoff on on on, a, on the Super Bowl, right? And we're up in the air looking down at the stadium, and we see all the flashes. We literally land on the runway, get off the bus. Everybody in the airport is lined up in like like freaking uh you know like you coming out line you clapping everybody hands what do you call it like a like a pep rally type line right we we grabbing all suitcases off the plane and we walking through all the everybody that work at the whole airport they shut down the airport and they all giving us high five clapping for us we get onto our bus the entire way from the airport all the way to the stadium we took the bus from the airport directly into the stadium underneath the tunnel the entire way Fans lined up all the way on the, on the side of the road, just waving at the bus, clapping for us, taking pictures of the buses. We drive the bus right out into the tunnel, get off the bus, walk out into the stadium, and had our we had the whole conference. We love you, Tampa situation right there in our stadium in a packed house, fully packed out with nothing but Tampa Bay fans, no other team there at all, and the whole entire stadium was packed. It was one of the most wonderful, magnificent experiences of my life. It was only year two for me in the NFL. In the, in the NFL. And then, of course, I missed this one, this Super Bowl with Baltimore. You know, they sent us all a bottle of champagne because the Ravens is probably one of the most first class organizations in the history of football. I'm telling you, they're the only team I played for three teams, the Jets, the Bucks and the Ravens. And this is the only team that really loves their players. And they say play like a Raven and you're a Raven for life. They mean it like they send us stuff all the freaking time. We didn't even, I didn't even play in the Super Bowl in, in 2012. And they sent every last one of us a bottle of champagne with the Super Bowl stuff on it. Just a phenomenal program. Phenomenal program. Even this plaque, this plaque right here, right here above my head, this is a direct replica of the Ravens logo and the field. And it has everybody that's ever played for the Ravens name in the grass. Like all the way through. It's one of the most unbelievable things I've ever received. And to me, the Ravens organization, it starts at the, at the top with Steve Bashotti, the owner, and it just trickles all the way down, man. It's the first class place to be, a great place to play. And I played there when Ray Lewis was, you know, prime. He was in his prime, prime. And he came out before grabbing the grass and eating the grass and doing the little dance, you know, all that stuff, man. And you're talking about an electric feeling. I don't know if you guys ever been there for that, but they literally would play music for everybody else to come out. And then they would stop the music and put Nelly's song on. And you would hear that Scooby sound. And then it would break down. And then he would start dancing. And this, and when I say the place would go nuts, I'm talking about like a deafening sound, like nuts. The whole stadium would go nuts. And the first couple of times I've seen it, 
I was like, you got to this, this is like some shit you see off TV. This ain't even they don't even look like some real stuff. Right. You know, the first couple of times you're in all yourself as a player, you know, coming to Baltimore, playing there and you're paying attention. But I say after about the second or third time you stop watching Ray and the, and the big screen and you start watching the other team reaction. And it's such a phenomenal sight to see everybody like. <laughs> it's unbelievable, bro. I say it was one of the most electrifying environments I've ever been in. And I was probably on one of the best Tampa Bay teams in the history of Tampa Bay ever. Probably the best, one of the best defenses in the history of, of NFL football. You know, but I had that 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 same blessing to be in Baltimore for five seasons on probably one of the best defenses in the history of football ever as well. And um, it was fun, man. It was, a, and I got, I think for me, Baltimore is so special because of the fact that it was the first place, place I really got a chance to show my full rep- repertoire of talents, right? You know, being a tight end in the league was new for me. I was a receiver all through college. And then my last year I moved to tight end and that's what got me to the league. You know, so when I got to the league, nobody knew where to play me. I was undersized as a tight end. So they kind of went back and forth from tight end to fullback, you know, and then all of a sudden I get to Baltimore and Brian Billy looks at me and said, man, after a couple of weeks of practice, he said, you're not a tight end. You know, you're not a fullback, you're H back. And then I became the starting H-back for five seasons in Baltimore. So I got a chance to be a starter for five years and come out the tunnel for five years. It was an awesome experience for me. So to me, the Ravens fans is where it's at, like hands down. It ain't nothing greater than Baltimore. The city of Baltimore still show love to this day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's awesome, man. And you know what? Um, you know, thinking about that, you know, Ray Lewis, he, uh, as far as like his intros, I think it's probably one of the one of the greatest intros out there. I mean, I can't think of nobody that had a greater intro, introduction better than Ray Lewis. I, I I've never seen one. The only thing that came close was Philadelphia with Brian Dawkins. Yeah, Brian back, Dawkins comes out back in the, the day. Yep. Yeah, he, the whole yeah. Wolverine type thing, and I yeah. feel like that was all piggybacked off what what Ray was doing in Baltimore, right? You know, yeah. they came up with their own theme for him because he was a a freaking animal. I had to block that guy quite a bit. So, <laughs> but um, I mean, it was fun, man. You know, football is one of the ma- most amazing sports in this freaking world, and we get a chance to play one of the best teams in the league this week. So I'm looking forward to it. I just saw Stephen A. Top five and Detroit's number one. I'm like, what? Respect. Go ahead then, Stephen A. Go ahead, Detroit. Represent. I got you. 
respect yes, is something we've been, yeah, some, respect is something we've been fighting for forever, man. You know, we yeah. we've been struggling for a while. So I mean, just seeing the, the respect from the national media, yeah. um, is it, it's humbling, man. It's, it's, it's like a while. Like you, sometimes you can't believe that's happening, but yeah, it, it is yeah. happening in Detroit, man. Yeah, but, um, for, for a long time for me, Malcolm, it was just the movie Eight Mile for you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a good movie. It's a good movie, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Every, everyone, uh, everyone from the three one three, put your hands up and you know follow me. I mean, yeah, like that's what people usually say is like if they know nothing about Detroit. The only thing they really know about Detroit is Eminem and Amy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, really about absolutely. the only thing people know about Michigan. If like you know now we're getting some more national respect, but yeah, before it's like that's the only thing people knew about Michigan and Detroit yeah. in general. Right. Absolutely. So, and so, so also, there, like if you okay. would ask like a casual about Detroit, they kind of think it's like the ghetto or whatever. And Detroit has changed over the last what ten years, Tyler, probably. In yeah, 08, like it was really than, bad. Yeah. Now it's like revitalized. Yeah. Now uh the draft is here this 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 summer. Um yeah. in April, this spring, I'm sorry. The draft's in Detroit. So you can see really? how like yeah. the the strides the city has made. Yeah, the draft is here. Yeah. That's, that's dope. I, mean, I remember so coming exciting. up there. There was a mall area that was extremely beautiful, and it was like Detroit. Somerset. 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 Yep. Because I used to live on a street Somerset. called Somerset. Yes, absolutely. It was Somerset Mall area. That place was gorgeous, you know. But where my son, yeah. mom, and her grandma stayed, it, it, it was not. It was not so. It was not so gorgeous. <laughs> it might have been right across the street from Eight Mile. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I I live in my, I actually live in Miami. I live in Miami, but okay. I I travel to Detroit and yeah. Right now, as far as what they're doing downtown, downtown is beautiful right now. It, it, it is. They definitely made a lot of changes mm-hmm. um, in the downtown area. But as far as the football stuff, um, okay, you've been around some really good defenses. You've been Baltimore defense when you were there. Tampa Bay defense. Where as far as the defense right now with Baltimore right now, I know they're playing lights out. They're playing probably really great defense right now. Where do you? Where do you see them right now as far as, like, their defense? Um, I know they're ranked top five in the, in, the, in the league right now. I think they may be number five or number four or something like that in the league they're right now. They're number two right now, actually. Number two? Well, yep. congratulations to be more. Way to grow up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to me, that's where we've always been. So, to me, that's not any shock at all. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're getting back into that status. They have yet to – be magical yet for me you know i played on a team where where ed reed and Deion centers with my dbs and Corey ivy samari roll samari roll and chris McAllister was my two corners and you got ed reed and dewan landry back there you know ball hawking everything and punishing people running across the middle then you had your bart scott who's from detroit you know, I had a Bart Scott, I had a Peter Bowery, a Ray Lewis, you know, um, Ed Hartwell. I played with some phenomenal linebackers. Even James Harrison was there right before I came in, you know, and went end up going to Pittsburgh. And and then um, that defensive line was like second and none. So I'm still waiting for those magical moments to happen. You know, we brought in a Trevor Price. We had a Haloti Nada, a Kelly Gregg, a, you know, um, a Terrell Suggs. We had some dudes that would just make quarterbacks feel like they was – hopeless or defenseless you know they feel like they was really getting like mistreated week in and week out by our d-line because they were so physical and so nasty and i remember talking to trevor price one time i was like trevor how do you keep getting to the quarterback so fast he was a long rangey guy kind of remind me of Simeon rice a little bit with long arms and trevor was like wilcox i got one move they can't stop it 
You know, they can't stop it. And he would literally wreck quarterbacks. And then every now and then you would send Bart Scott, the Detroit native, on a blitz. And he would come off so hard and hit quarterbacks so hard and power drive them to the turf. He hit Roethlisberger so hard at one time that Pittsburgh still got a crack going through the city. You know, so he really punished the – he hurt Roethlisberger. He hit him so hard. He's a part of the reason why they stop you from being able to – pick the quarterback up and scoop him and, you know, kind of and fall on top of him. He's that he's a part of that reason why. And he got the nickname Matt Backer in Baltimore, you know? So, I mean, we've, we've been always known to just be just a, a very well coached, reckless run to the ball. We're going to punish you at every single level. Um, and then we're going to pick it off. And when we pick it off, we're going to try to crib it. Like they literally was pitching balls back to each other. They'll pick it off and pitch it back. I haven't seen those magical moments happen yet. And I can't ever remember a game for the five seasons I was there when I felt like we needed to make a play on defense and they did not do it. And I've seen games right now in the Ravens in the last couple of years where we're like, all right, which one of y'all going to be the one to make a play? I literally be on the sideline. I, I read. We need you to make a play. Read and read to pick it off. Take it at one oh six, you know, and or or Suggs a tip it and, and then Ray would dive and catch it or something. You know, it was it was always something phenomenal. They'll try they'll try Chris McAllister one time too many. He'll pick it off and go go six with it, go ninety yards with it or something. So I'm waiting to see our defense become that turnover machine that it's always been. Once they get to that, we're gonna be extremely scary because this is the most scariest of offense have ever been in in the franchise history with an OBJ. You know, um, Zay Flowers, you know, uh, Aguilar, uh, Nelson Aguilar, you know, uh, um, uh, Duvernay, you know, to see and uh, Rashad Bateman. And then you turn around and you got phenomenal running backs like a Justice Hill and a Gus Edwards, you know, so on and so on. I wish we could have had Dobbins all year. I think we'd have really punished some people with Dobbins as well. You know, then probably one of the most scariest quarterbacks in the whole NFL with Lamar. And I've never had a chance to play with a quarterback of that magnitude, you know. So I really think the Ravens, to me, is a complete team all around offense and defense and your head coach is a special teams coach so you know special teams is never going to be lacking Duvernay almost returned one for a touchdown this past week you know so I just want to see the Ravens just put together a complete game and I have yet to see that yet and show the world you know what they're capable of because I think they are to me are one of the most scariest teams in the NFL on all three phases of the game and um Detroit is, is kind of showing the world you know that they're not the same old Detroit. So I, we cannot sleep on y'all this week for sure. If we even think for one second that you guys are the Detroit that you guys used to be, we, we sleep. We'll be sleep for real. Like we'll, we, we, y'all will put us away the first half. We won't even make it to the second half of this game. So we got we to gotta come out on we're, we're all three phases hot. And we got to jump out on you guys early to try to get a little bit of league so we can pin our ears back and come out to your quarterback instead of having you guys come out to ours. Hey, I was going to ask, you know, the last two. You know, I have a question. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Who's up? My Both bad. of y'all managing um, mics. So, okay, go ahead, Pierre. <laughs> I guess I'll go to Tyler. So, like, I'm not, like, trying to sound a hitter. I'm just, like, be honest. So, you played the Texans week one with C.J. Stroud. Yes. Week two, you played Joe Burrow, who was barely on one foot. Right. Week three, you played Anthony Richardson, a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Week four, you played a Cleveland that was kind of still finding themselves on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, week the following week, you played Kenny Pickett in the Steelers' offense that's been struggling, and then last week you played Ryan Tannehill in the Titans, whose offense been, yeah, but their offense hasn't really been all that. So I'm what I'm trying to say is I respect you guys are a great defense and all, but yeah. I feel like you we haven't play seen nobody. a team like Detroit. 
So you just gonna be disrespectful? I mean, you know. I mean, I'm not being disrespectful. You, I'm just kind of nah, like. I mean, you trying to say we ain't play nobody? That's what you trying to say, Pierre. You slick. You just slick. Just said you ain't really play nobody. I know what you were trying to say. It's one of those things. No, no offense, but he's gonna have a lot of offense towards you. Yeah, Pierre. I played this game. It's like, yeah, it's like a disclaimer. Like, hey, look, I don't want you to take this personal. Then say something that I'm gonna take. But say something personal. Come on, bro. I know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say we ain't play nobody. So, you know what? You know. We all we gonna do is we gonna flip the television on on Sunday and we are gonna see how this thing unveil, right? I can tell you what. No, Detroit, but I have a lot of respect for the Ravens. You guys have lots of talent. Yeah, sure. shut up, shut up, Pierre. Nobody want to hear that right now. After we're saying what you just finished saying, so when we play Sunday, okay. what's, what's what's gonna happen is we're gonna turn this television on. We're gonna see two very hungry teams ready to show the world what they're capable of being, right? And the Ravens will not disappoint you. Okay, I don't care what the situation is or what it may what, what it may be, they won't disappoint you. Now, one of the things I can say is that I have not seen us be as physical as we normally are. I felt like Pittsburgh beat up on us a little bit. So if you guys take that same mindset and come in and we not we don't have that usual Raven mindset that play like a Raven mindset, then you guys may get you one. You know, but I'm not going to bank on that. It's a John Harbaugh team. John Harbaugh has the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde syndrome, Napoleon complex type syndrome. And he's going to have these boys ready to play. They're going to come in pissed off because John's going to be pissed off and he's going to get in their ears and like we can't continue to do this. I felt like Pittsburgh kind of beat up on us a little bit. And that's how they was able to sneak one out. And we didn't have those magical plays at the end of the game the way that we should. But I appreciate your honesty, Pierre, even though it was slick and it was trying to be sly. You know, you try to you ran. I like how you ran down from the first. You kind of hit me with a bunch of facts. Right. You try to lay up your you try to lay out your what do do you call it? Your receipts. You try to lay out your receipts first and then you just kind of smack me a little bit. So you kind of like grab me by the throat, lifted me up a little bit and then just kind of slapped me twice and said, touche. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, back, back to no, the but, um, oh, go ahead, Pierre. <laughs> no, like, I honestly, I have respect. I think Lamar is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The receivers are good. Um, the linebackers are playing out of their mind. The safety core is one of the best in the league. Like, I have respect for them. I just feel like they haven't been tested like a team like Detroit. That's what I was trying to say. I know exactly what you were trying to say. I appreciate that, Pierre. Thank you, man. I appreciate your honesty. I really do. Um, that's the last question for you for this this um show, this episode. Go ahead, go ahead, Malcolm. No more from Pierre. So <laughs> I'm just playing, Pierre. Don't take that personal, bro. I'm just yeah. playing. So you, you talk about the Ravens' offense, and you you, right. you say that this has been, I guess, like the most high powered you've seen in a while, it, right? Would you say is that the strength of this team right now? Is it the offense or is it the defense? I Man, I'm glad you asked that question, Malcolm. Because I've and 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 since 1996, since the Ravens established their organization, it's always been the defense. The best quarterback I played with when I was there was Steve McNair. All right, and that's not to take anything away from Flacco or or, or um you know Kyle Bowler or, or any of the other guys. You know Cordell Stewart, the Troy Smiths, none of those guys. Right, I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but the best quarterback I played with all while I was there was Steve McNair, and these guys got. Lamar Jackson, Action Jackson, like Mr. MVP, um, the guy that could take it 99 on any play, you know, and then still find you downfield and hit you for a 99-yard pass as well. Excuse me. Hold on. thought I was about to sneeze for a second. But um, this is the first time I honestly, honestly say from the bottom of my heart, I feel like the offense 
sets the tone for this team. And it's never been that. You know, when they brought Roquan Smith in, I started to feel like it was about to start changing and the defense started to show up. And they really did because they really was missing that field general. You know, so when I got a chance to see Raekwon sitting down with Ray Lewis watching film and Ray Lewis was telling him how, about the communication part of his game that he's lacking, right? That like really touched me to my heart. I remember sitting in the room with Ray and Ed and they were showing me how to watch film at one point. Right. And um, I sat in there with them and I was like, man, this is phenomenal. And they taught when him teaching Roquan how to, how to watch film and then how to be vocal. I'm telling you right now, communication wins championships. Once they figure that part of it out, the defense by far is going to smoke every freaking body. They're going to be the best defense in this league. Ain't going to be no number two, number three, number four, number five spot. They will be number one. As of right now, to me, I don't think people are afraid of the Ravens defense as much as they used to be. So I'm going to give it to the offense because I feel like people are really biting their nails right now, not knowing who's going to be the one that's going to turn up on a weekend and week out, whether it's going to be a Zay Flowers or OBJ or Aguilar or Mark Andrews, who's the most, to me, one of the most dynamic tight ends to ever play this game. And then you go get a young pup like Isaiah Lightly to back him up, who could go out there and do damage to you as well, man. And uh, having a quarterback like Lamar who can extend plays as long as he really wants to. And the crazy part, like I've been watching this season so far, I feel like Lamar has matured so much as a QB, as a QB, that he's not taking off and running as much as he normally do. And I think that's the mental part of the game that he was kind of lacking a little bit. Like he would take off, but then you miss those explosive plays that he's so valuable in giving you, you know, and even when he does run, he's not full tilt like he normally would be. And out of there, he's still kind of pacing himself and he's giving up more sacks. I think because of that, I really do. I feel like he's giving up probably another six or seven or eight sacks that he probably wouldn't have had if he just took off and ran like he normally would, but he's slow playing the, the you know, the, the run. He's slow playing it and still keeping his eyes downfield to try to get the ball to this dynamic receiving core that he has. And he has yet to have that explosive game like he's had in the past where he throws 400 yards or 500 yards. So somebody going to get that work at some point. You know, it could be Detroit this week. You know, you never know, Pierre. Could be Detroit. <laughs> Something that's uh, strength on strength <laughs> for this game for sure is the, the our rushing defense versus your rushing offense. Obviously, you guys got the fifth best rushing offense in the league. We got the number right. one rushing defense in the league right now. And yeah. one of the things Detroit's been doing really well f- throughout the first six weeks is taking out the running game and making quarterbacks one-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, and if Detroit is able to do that this Sunday, I'm not saying we will because you guys are the fifth-ranked offense of, of running the ball, so it's going to be very difficult. But if they are right. – able to contain that run how do you feel if they are one-dimensional and they have to pass the ball a little more than often see that's a tough question when you're talking about a team like baltimore right so let's say you know we started the game off in a two tight end two receiver set 22 pack 22 personnel with a, with a, with a tailback with one back if we started the game off like that and we tried to just you know, pound you guys, it'll be hard to kind of stop that situation, right? And if you do stop that situation, all right, let's go four wides. Now you got a Zay Flowers, or OBJ, or Aguilar, and a Bateman on, on the field with you, and then you still got a, a, a you know, a Hill, a Justice Hill in the backfield. Or you go five wides, you know? You go five, well, you go four wides in the tight with Mark Andrews, and you just spread the team out. Once you spread the team out, what happens is now all those run stoppers are now outside of the box. They're no longer in the box. So you got to play the numbers game. You know, when you got six in the box or, or six in the box or less, you know, run the ball. You got six, you got six, you got seven or more, then you, you know, you throw the ball. 
you know, so you just got to play the numbers game. And I, I think if Detroit was able to stop the run, how do you stop Lamar? If I spread you out and get all your guys, your run stoppers out of the box, now they all running down the field with my receivers. And then I take off with you. And now you left, now you're big guys that left to try to tackle Lamar. How do you stop that? You know, so I think, I think if our OC just, you know, Munkin, if he just plays the game and he just plays the number games, just take what you guys give us you won't be able to stop the Baltimore Ravens offense. I don't think nobody would be able to if they just really just take what you what, what you give them. You know, if you're going to try to take away the deep ball and we just hit you underneath for everything, we'll nickel and dime you to death as long as Lamar is patient. You know, and then once you jump the, the short routes, we hit you with pumping goals. And next thing you know, we're getting deep balls over your guys' heads. Now you got to back up. Now once you back up and now you get loose, then we get the ball to one of these quick or big running backs and start pounding the rock on you. Now you all frazzled. Then we start hitting you with some play action stuff, faking it to the running backs. So they don't hit you for a couple of 10 or 15 or 20 yards. Now you got to jump those running backs and come up. As soon as you come up, we dunk right behind you with Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. Like we just have to play our cards the right way and just be a smart offense and and scheme you guys the best way possible. One thing the Ravens have always been good at is taking away the other team's best player. You know, I can remember sending meetings, you know, and we like, all right, this guy is the freaking truth. You know, we got to make sure that he's not the one that beats us. We're going to eliminate your best guy on offense and on defense and on special teams. And then we'll let the other nine guys or 10 guys beat us, you know, if they're going to beat us. And we just can't turn the ball over. If we turn the ball over against you guys the way you guys are playing right now, you guys definitely going to come out of here with a victory. But it's not it's not an easy place to win in Baltimore. The fans are super disciplined. They're they loud when they're supposed to be loud. They're quiet when they're supposed to be quiet. And it's an electric place when these guys are starting to roll. So if I had to give you guys any tips, don't let these boys get started. Shut it down early. Noted. <laughs> uh, Daniel, yeah, I have a question for you. Um, so you mentioned how Lamar has been more patient, and I've noticed that too. And we mentioned the receivers, and Zay Flowers has been unreal for you guys. Speedy dude out of the slot. Uh, Odell, though, I've, I've noticed that they don't really get him involved that much. Is he kind of just slowly working in, like learning the system, or is it more like – He's like that third or fourth receiver, just kind of he hasn't really, you know, taken off sort of like how he has in the past. Yeah, you know, I've kind of noticed that, too. And, and really, to be honest with you, I thought he was going to come here and go nuts. The reason why was because Munkin was his OC when he was in Cleveland with the Browns and he went off when he was in Cleveland. Right. You know, so Munkin was very familiar with him. So getting OBJ here was it made absolute sense. You know, you got a guy that you was already familiar with him as OC and now you got him again as OC and you know exactly what this guy's capabilities are. He knows him extremely well. So what I would have to say, P, is he knows that he, he right now, Munkin probably just know that OBJ isn't 100 percent and he's just kind of slow playing it. But I, he's going to have a 10 catch game before the season's out. It's coming. You know, when it comes, it's going to come. Hopefully it comes at the right time. And the good thing about us is that we're nowhere close to peaking anything. You know, we're not even close to peaking and we're still in the top five, top 10 of everything right now for most part. And um, when we start to really peak. Hopefully we're going to peak at the right time, you know, going into, you know, December and, you know, getting ready for those playoffs and stuff like that. And, you know, you, if you go in in November and December in this league, man, you know, 
you you're you're up for one heck of a ride. You know, we're going to sure. have a chance to really do some special stuff. So I kind of feel like, you know, he's had a couple of injuries already that kind of slowed him down. I saw him at practice last week and it looked like he kind of touched his groin a little bit. So I'm assuming his groin was a part of his his um his 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 decision to kind of sit out a couple of games recently. I don't really follow the injury reports that much, so I'm assuming it was his groin cuz I saw him kind of, you know, tug at it after he ran a route. And that groin is like one of the most nagging injuries that you could have for the plague you all season long. Like literally just all you'll never be 100%. You'll never get in and out of your breaks the way you want to. One leg is always going to work better than the other. And it's almost going to feel like you're dragging that other leg like you got a kid on it hanging on your ankle or something, right? And um, it's just one of those situations, man, where it's just, you know, I think it slows you down. But he caught a ball slant this last week and almost went 70, 60, 70 with it. And I was like, okay, I see the burst. He still got it. And he pulled yeah. away from everybody that was in that. So he still got that suddenness that he needs in order to be great. You know, he just, I think, I think, you know, being out of it for a year, and you guys have to keep this in mind too right now. Like, we just finished our fifth game. So that fifth game for us in Baltimore was like really our first game of the year. So our first four games are really like our preseason games because we didn't play none of the starters in preseason. None of them. Nobody Same got no us. playing time. Yeah. So since those first four games are really like your first four preseason games for your starters, that fifth game was really like the first game of the year for us. You know, so this is like week two for us right now, you know, since we didn't play any of our starters. So all these guys are knocking the rust off and OBJ, he's knocking a year and a half of rust off because he ain't played, you know, since the Super Bowl with, with, the, with the Rams, you know, two years ago, you know. So and then he missed all the preseason right. again this year coming back. So, I mean, he's still knocking off a lot of rust. He's still getting back acclimated. He should know the offense front to back because he's already been in it before. And he's just getting back in it now. I'm sure some things have changed, you know, some personnel, some terminologies, some cold words and all that type of stuff you know your checks and all that stuff i'm sure all that stuff mm -hmm. has developed into other names and stuff by now and he had to rememorize it and figure it out again because he's been in another system for a while and um you know that's a funny thing too you know like when you change offenses for me i had to forget one offense just to learn the other one I, my brain couldn't hold it. it was too much information you know so i would have to literally try to forget this all together yeah. just to learn this and, and it's, it's like learning a foreign language like learning french or spanish or portuguese or something like that you know you learn one language and some people are just innate to be able to know three or four languages at once. But I'm that guy. If I learn another language, I'll start mixing the other languages with my English. And next thing you know, I got this broken form or whatever it is I'm speaking. And you partially know what I'm saying and you partially don't. So I don't know if you've ever done this as a player um, because uh, international games have come more recently. Yeah. Um, but you guys just played in Tottenham. Uh, you guys are coming back. No bye week. Do you, do you think that takes like some type of hit to the, the players at all, like a jet lag or anything like that? Because obviously going to the West Coast from the East Coast could be a, a bit of a struggle, but going from all the way from yeah. a different country back to yeah, Baltimore. London. Yeah. Yeah, I've made that flight to London, man. Um, when I was in Tampa, I had just left New York. And then that next year, we actually played the Jets, my former team in Tokyo, Japan, you know, so I got a chance to be in Tokyo, Japan playing when I was with the Bucks and it was an awesome experience for me. I do remember, I do remember the plane ride. I do feel, I don't remember feeling like I was just, you know, exhausted on that particular time, but there was another time where I went over to Afghanistan um, to visit the troops with the NFL, with the, NS, with the NFS, uh, what is the USFO tour? And I went over to visit the troops in Afghanistan. We flew into London, and then we flew from London to Doha, Qatar, and then we was based out of Bagram Air Force Base. And I was there for fourteen days. And when I came back from that, I was done. 
Like I literally was, and I didn't even play a game, but I was done just from the jet lag and just traveling so much. And I was probably, I was a little bit older. I think this was 2006. So it was like my, my sixth year in the league, I think at the time, you know, and I was exhausted and I was done for probably about a week and a half. So yeah, it does have an effect on your body for real. I can't really remember how I felt in Tokyo because that was like year two in the league. It's been so long. It's been over 20 years now, but um Dang, I'm old. Um, but it was, it was, it's, it's definitely something that take. If you fly to Denver or you fly to the West Coast and come back, it takes a toll on you. You know, if you go play San Fran and then you come back to the East Coast, you feel a certain kind of way. You know, your body takes a little while to adjust to the jet lag and the hours difference and the time difference and all that type of stuff. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure it definitely going to affect those guys some. And our schedules are always so you know, regimented. It's so strict and regimented. You know, you're up every morning at 530, you know, you're in there, you know, in, in the weight room by six and you're lifting, you're done with lifting by seven. And then you're in the training room by seven, seven ten, And then you're trying to grab breakfast before eight o'clock meetings start. You know, it's, it's such a regimented situation, you know, so I'm sure those guys were fatigued. They probably had to give them a day off or two days off right away when they got back, just try to get catch back up on their rest and, and get reacclimated to the States. Um, question for you. So you look at the Ravens Alliance, two two good teams that are playing at high level. What's one thing that concerns you about the Lions that you feel like they could attack you? And what's one place you think the Ravens could attack Detroit? Um, I think I think right now Detroit has a bunch of injuries with their running back situation. And the running back situation, you know, the, everybody got a running back situation across the league right now. They don't even want to pay these guys, right? You know, but I think right. the injuries at running back could possibly hurt them a little bit this week. You know, even though you guys are talented. So I think if I was Baltimore, I would lock down your outside with my corners, you know, and try to, you know, try to force you to have to run the ball, you know, put you in that, that situation where you have to run it and can't throw it, you know, kind of choke out your receivers and then just force you to run the ball the entire game. And the Ravens have notoriously been known to be a, a run stopping team. So I'm going to, you know, still hang my hat that we are that those guys, we're we going to punish you if you try to run it on us all the time. So I think I would come up with some kind of fire zone type situation where I continuously you know, apply pressure and try to keep your quarterback in the pocket so that he doesn't get, you know, active and just go nuts on your, on your running backs and your, and your QBs, you know, the entire game and just try to, I would, me as a as a DC this game, if I was Baltimore, I would try to make your quarterback get up off the ground as many times as they possibly can. So by the end of the game, he feel like he don't want to play no more. You know, come the fourth quarter, I would try to make him get off the ground as much as possible, much as possible, much as possible. And I would try to get my guys, my biggest guys, to put those put their offensive linemen in your quarterback's lap, which is hard to say because your O-line is sick. You probably got the best O-line in the entire league right now, which is weird because normally that's a Philly and a Dallas, you know, type situation. But yeah. you guys are playing, you know, lights out. So I would definitely try to disrupt that as much as possible and get as many guys in those running lanes as possible. You know, we got great linebackers that could freaking fly. Queen you know, and Smith, so, legit. Yeah. Yeah. So I would try to, you know, get those guys posted up and get your linemen moving and then just hit those let those guys hit those lanes and disrupt all the running stuff that you're trying to do and just choke out your, your receivers on the outside as best as possible. You got a young guy that's phenomenal right now as receivers. Is is it Williams? What's his name? St. Brown. It's another kid that's young that's showing up a lot this yeah. year. Jameson Williams and Williams. 
Williams is the guy, though. I feel like he's sneaky. He's the sneaky link for you guys. He's he's special. So I think he's the up and coming guy that's going to shock the world. You know, he got some ability, some real serious ability, some stop and go and start ability that that so that sit that suddenness that he has to separate from you in a in a flash and that suddenness he have to stop on a dime. I think is going to create some problems for anybody that's covering him all year long. Um, and I think if I was Detroit and I had to attack this Ravens defense. I would go hard at their strength, which is supposed to be the secondary. I would go hard. We always got people hurt and banged up in the secondary. And right now, if um if our starting safety Hamilton is out, you know, I would definitely try to scratch the field which with you know portion of the tight end that you guys have and get in that middle of the field as much as possible to try to disrupt everything that they're doing. You know, a lot of times we play some cover four and some cover six. So I've seen a lot of cover six this year from us. I would definitely take you know, advantage of every single thing they're doing. They're dropping guys off deep. I'm hitting those intermediate routes left and right. And we seem to struggle sometimes against crossing routes. I would go hard with the crossing routes all, you know, all game long. It's hard to cover guys from one side of the field to the other, especially when you got to go over guys and under guys to keep running with these guys. So once you start running those mesh plays, you know, it's a great opportunity for guys to spring open and pop open if you have a little bit of time back there at QB. And, um, yeah, so I, I think if I asked me, I would attack our secondary hard. You know, I, I wouldn't try to run the ball at them as much, you know, but um, I don't know. Let's, let's kind of see what happens. You know, what do you guys think? You mentioned okay. the mesh concept. That's one of Ben Johnson's staple, actually. Detroit loves to run those crossers, those mesh concepts and all that. Yeah. They do that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, you got a smart OC because he's thinking like Wilcox. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Ben Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, ben, guy too. Yeah, no, 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 to be honest, with you, yeah, Ben yeah. Johnson, he, he's going to he's gonna head coaching job next year for, for sure, 100%. Right. Absolutely, um, yeah. But, yeah, he, he, your game plan is something that I really think Detroit's going to do because they are so banged up in the running back position. I think yeah. the key – the, the key matchup for this this week is is our offensive line against your defensive line. I can't wait to see that matchup because this is this is gonna be a real test for us. I think playing your defensive line, yeah. especially your front seven and, and handling your pressure, especially like you said with the, the fire zones and all that stuff. I want to see how they handle it. Are they able to pick up all the blitzes? Are they able to um, keep Jared Goff clean? And that's what yeah. this year, you know what our previous opponents, we've been keeping Jared Goff clean. That's why he's having a phenomenal year. He's like pretty much top two in every every statistic yeah. right now is because he's been clean um, it, between him and yeah. Ben Johnson. They've been doing a really great job. So it's going to be a phenomenal matchup, man. I can't wait. Yeah. If I was, if I was Jared, I would take those boys out to eat at least two or three times this week. Hey bro, I got y'all this week. What y'all want to eat? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care what y'all want. I need y'all this week. Cause he, he's played us before, you know, he's, he's already seen that fire. He knows what it is. And we have yet to get back to rare form where we're, you know, we're still putting like eight, nine guys on the line of scrimmage. Right. And then guys are dropping back and we rush four off one side. That's I'm telling you, it was one of the most confusing things I had to deal with as a tight end going against that in practice every day. You know, you get down in three-point stands, you break that huddle, you run to the line. You got like 25 seconds before the ball snap, but usually when the when, the, when you break that huddle, you got about 15 seconds. And when you get up to the line of scrimmage, you literally got three seconds to scan the field, and then they're jumping around all over the place. You don't know who's Mike, who's Sam, who's Nose, who's the DN, who's the tackle. Everybody's standing up. Nobody's in the three-point stands or four-point stands, and you're trying to figure out who's who. And then you got to figure out who you're going to pick up the block. And by the time you take one step back, you know, two guys don't blue pass you on both sides of you. And it's, it's a hard thing to figure out when they do it and they time it right, man. I'm telling you, it's a really confusing thing. I guarantee you Detroit's working on that all week this week. So, Danny, I got a question for you, Daniel. Um, 
When you look at uh, Marcus Williams can't go. I know you guys got Geno Stone, the kid out of Iowa. I liked him coming love out Gino. played in the Big Ten. Familiar yep. with him? Yep, love so him. So do you feel like he's comfortable? I mean, I loved him coming out. Absolutely. I was surprised he went in the seventh round. Honestly, I thought it was better than that. Absolutely. But, um, do you, you guys like trusting him as a starter if he if Williams can't go? Absolutely. You know, he had a chance to get a big payday and he stayed. You know, Gino did. He was gonna he was gonna you know try to get up out of there. He actually asked to be traded, I think, on say a year ago. And he and the Ravens was like, nah, bro, we need you. We, we need you. Trust me, it ain't gonna be what you think. I know we drafted Hamilton, but you're a dog for us and we need to keep you on this squad. And I think he he took a little bit less money and stayed in Baltimore, man. So he's a guy that I think Eric DeCosta really took a took a liking to. Um and and the rest of the team do. And um this is one of the things I, I did an internship with the Ravens back in um I wanna say it was nineteen or twenty. And I did it in the player personnel department. You know, so I got a chance to sit inside of all these meetings with the, you know, the GM, the president of the team, the Ozzie Newsom's, um, Joe, you know, the George Teases and the George Cocanuses, the the Goodwill hunting crew. So you would say, you know, the guys that you look at and they're doing all the scouting and the recruiting. And I, you know, I never knew how they graded us. You know, so I, it was my first time getting a chance to see how they actually looked at us and graded us. And I had to grade the tight ends all of training camp, you know, so every day I would have to come in and give a report on all five tight ends we had, who did great today, who did good, who who I think was the best today, who I think is the future, who I think is right now. And that's when we had, uh, you know, the Mark Andrews, the Jaden Hurst, and um, my other big kid, the, what was his name? The, I can't think of his name right now, the other tight end. He played for a long time for Baltimore. It was three of them. They were a dynamic trio. The best three tight ends I thought in the leagues at the time um, as, a, as, a, as a trio. But, um, I, you know, they literally grade us from the best player on the team to the worst player on the team. And I never knew that. I always thought they graded us by position, right? You, you know, you, you think they look at it, all right, you know, you got Todd Heap, you got Daniel Wilcox, you got Darnell Dinkins, you got a Terry Jones, you know, they, they, they're they they're going through and they're grading us by position. And then they're figuring out who's, who's the most important by positions. They don't care about your position. They want to know who's the best player on the team. Who's number one. And then it goes all the way from that to the 53, you know, to the 53 guys on the roster. And then everybody else falls behind that 53, the practice squad guys, the, you know, those transitional guys. You usually got like five or six transitional guys that travel with the team. And you, they, they're getting the thumbs up before the game or the thumbs down before the game, whether or not they're going to play or not, depending on if somebody else is banged up or healthy or or whatever the situation may be, you know. And I never knew that. Like, it blew my mind to see that, you know, and – um. That's that was one of the most interesting things I think I, I, I took from that internship is that if you're that number one guy, you have not a worry, not a worry in the world. You know, like a Jared Golf would probably be in your top five guys or on your team. Right. So you're going to definitely protect him, make sure he's taken care of when his contract is up. You're making sure he get paid right away. But when you fall in that last like 10 or that 53, that 43 to 53, you're considered a bubble guy at any moment. Your job could be gone. You know, you could be playing your likes. You could be likes out this week, likes out next week. Didn't have a bad game. They replace you that next week. They got a guy coming in to replace you, and like because they you, you're expendable. And I was that bubble guy for like the most part of my career. That first for, that first three years, I was a bubble guy until I got to Baltimore. So, you know, this thing is is it's not always what you what you think it is or what it seemed to be. You see different 
things when you get a chance to sit on the other side of that table. And um, it's, it's been a pretty impressive journey for me, like, you know, from a player to a coach to, a, you know, uh, um, a, a scout, you know, and continuously trying to figure out what my space is since I retired, man. It's been it's been a fun journey and it's been really, really cool. But I think Detroit has an opportunity this week to shock the world one more time. You know, one more time, because nobody knew going into the season that you guys are going to be as good as you are. And I think right now, oh, oh you knew, Malcolm? Really? So, Malcolm, knew. Like, you, you knew too, Pierre? Pierre, All three you. of us were very, like, well, last year, <laughs> last you, year we were eight and two down the stretch. Yeah, eight so, and two right, down the stretch okay. last year. So just, I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah, we so thought we, we were gonna, yeah, we thought we were to carry on from pretty much last year. Even though that we know momentum don't really carry on because of the new season, but right, they, right, they played right, really right. strong towards, towards the end. The end. And, I, and I, I, we kind of seen how everybody pretty much bought in on Dan Campbell and, and the staff. It. So yeah. we kind of felt like this year could be special, especially look at the schedule. I, I know you don't really look at the schedule because anything can happen, the injuries happen, and it's really harder. Correct. But we do have a very favorable schedule, and you kind of seen that in the yeah. offseason, and we're seeing it now. I think between like us and all the, the like the top teams, I think we have the lightest schedule um, going down the stretch. So Okay, so I'm the only one that didn't know, but you, all three of you, okay, I got you. Detroit knew. I think it's, I yeah, yeah, if, yeah, if you're a Detroit fan, you kind of seen what's going on. You saw it coming. Okay, yeah. all right, I, I got you. Well, respect, Detroit, respect. I had no idea down here in the ATL. I didn't see it coming at all. I remember my um, son's mom was like, I'm watching Detroit play. I'm like, why? You know, it was like week two. I'm like, why are you watching Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> right, and now you <laughs> guys are five and one, and so she was on to it too. And she's from Detroit, like I told you. My oldest son, mom, is from Detroit, so I mean, it's I don't I don't know, man. Like this this league is such a funny league to me. Every team is absolutely stacked with talent, and it's really all about chemistry. It's really all about confidence, it's, and it's all about you know whether or not you got the the capacity at coaching to be able to push these grown men to stick together and go out and put together what you're trying to put together on paper. And there's a lot of coaches out here that are coaches that probably shouldn't be coaches too. Just like it's a lot of players that you look at like, man, why is he on the team? Like, why is he playing? You know, it's all a confidence yeah. thing, fella. I promise you the best player in the world could come to this league and lose his confidence and play like crap. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dan, before we get you out of here, what are your uh, predictions for this Sunday? Three-point favorites in Baltimore? Yeah, what's your predictions? I was just about to ask you that. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to ask you that, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. It's it's pretty simple for me. It's the same decision every single week for me. You got Detroit, right? I got I got Baltimore. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Everybody, all right. All right. I I spell Detroit B A L. Oh, ahead, be more man. be more all day baby be more all day so i think to be honest with you i you know everybody was like you know pittsburgh was going to be a blowout but i thought it was going to be a tough game i think this is going to be a tough game i don't think it's going to be an easy win we haven't won anything easy all year and we haven't played a good game all year and i'm not going to even tell you that this week is going to be the week we're going to play a good game i think we're going to still make some mistakes i think detroit is good enough to make us make mistakes and um we've had we have the tendency lately um to kind of beat ourselves in some games but if we put together a flawless game we could run away with this thing from you guys and and i think it's vice versa you you guys are hot right now. You guys are full of confidence right now. And you said something really, really important, Malcolm. You said buy in. Everybody bought in. You know, when you get teams like that and they believe in the staff that they have, you know, Aaron Glenn was my cornerback when I played in corner. 
when I played in um, New York with the Jets, right? So me and Aaron go way back from my rookie, my first two years in the league, you know? So I have a lot of respect for Aaron Glenn as a, as a man, as a teammate, as a person, as an individual. I would want to freaking play for Aaron. You know, his brother, Jason Glenn, was my dog. When I say my dog, he played linebacker for us with the Jets when I was up there for the two years. And JJG was my dog. You know, I'm talking about we we would ride together, die together. You know, so I love I love what you guys have going on. I love the fact that Campbell has put together like an all star list of coaches, and you know, a lot of those guys are former players. And one of the things I think I hated as a player the most was I I had a bunch of coaches throughout my NFL career, my college career, even my high school career that never played the position I played. You know, you can't look at AG and say he don't know what he's doing or what he's talking about because he's already done what you're doing. He won't ask you to do nothing that he know that is impossible. And sometimes you have coaches, you know, asking you to make blocks at the tight end position that was absolutely impossible. (laughs) And they really believed that, you know, you can make that block and you don't understand that there's some guys in this world that are just freaks of nature and they can do some things that are totally different from what everybody else in this world can do. You know, it's no different from you watch the Olympics and then you watch the girl, you know, do these freaking crazy flips and oh my God, she get perfect tens on every flip and everybody looking at her like she's the most special person in the world because she is special. It's only one person doing those flips like that. She got her own flip that ain't nobody else did before. Right. You know, so it's like, it's the same thing in our game. You know, that's what make the Deion Sanders special, the Terrell Owens special, you know, the Randy Moss is special, you know, and you have to respect that. Just because you've seen somebody do something on film one time don't mean that we can replicate this every time. It's, this, this is a ridiculous sure. thing that you're asking us to do, sir. It's almost freaking impossible. Don't ask me to ever do this again, but I'm going to try my best to make it happen because you're paying me this amount of money. And it's an absolutely ridiculous thing that you do. How could you not make that block? Have you ever made that block, sir? If you if you got that on film that you made that block, then show me that film, then we can talk. But most of these coaches ain't never played the game before. But when you look at you guys' coaching staff, it's freaking impressive, man. And I, I, I love it. I love it so much, man. I really do. I would want to play in the city of Detroit right now with the staff that you guys have as a coaching staff. You guys should be extremely proud. You guys should be extremely honored to have the cast of guys that you guys have. And you guys, I, I hope you guys continue success throughout this entire season after you play us, for sure. I love, the, I love the little pity comment there after we played Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, like, that's like Pierre, you know, just like, you know, like talk, See, butter us up, butter you, us you up, and they throw us a little slight you, slot. You, you picking up what I'm putting down, Tyler. Yeah. You, picking, you, you feeling me, but you ain't even touching me right now. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, Daniel, but I do shot. really think. I think it's going to be a dog fight. Like, probably the team has yeah. the ball last is probably going to win. Uh, you I guys have too. Tucker, our kicker, you know, he's not – but it's uh, that fun. could be the downfall, though. But the Tucker combination could be the downfall for you guys. For sure. That yeah, last no. two years ago, actually, hit the goalpost, and then it went in. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I, left, yeah. I was at Ford Field there in that game. I was empty after I, the stadium. I actually yeah. do have one last question, um, okay. because you did bring it up that you did play with Aaron Glenn. I with did. your time with Aaron, with AG, did you like kind of sense, like, hey, man, like this guy might be a coach one day? Like, I, had no, he, I had no idea. I was too young, man. I was so okay. wet behind the ears. I came out of Appalachian State, you know. So when I came into the league, it was I think it was two guys at the time. It was Matt Stevens. He played for the Patriots. It was a safety type. And then there was Dexter Coakley, the stud linebacker that played for the Dallas Cowboys for a long time. And he's in the College Football Hall of Fame for being an out. But 
that wasn't I didn't it wasn't like I went to a Miami and Florida State where it's 30, 40 guys coming back that played in the league and they all hanging on the sideline telling you about the league and what they expect. Dude, I was so shell shocked in my first two years in New York. I didn't know what to expect. You know, and that was a dog fight for me. That was my practice squad years. My first my first year, uh, my first year in New York was the 911 incident with, with the Twin Towers, right? Uh. That was my first week as a as a New York Jet. I made wow. the team, went through training camp, made the team. September the 9th, September the eleventh was the we had. I think we had just finished playing one game. They activated me after the first game of the year, and then the nine one one incident happened on the week I was supposed to play. And I remember being on the treadmill that week, you know, jogging on the treadmill, and, they, and the nurse, the, the secretary from the, the Jets, she was like, "Hey, turn the TV to CNN." We turned to the CNN and we watched the second plane live crash into the Twin Towers. And I'm on a treadmill in the Jets training facility. It's on our day off. I think it was on a Tuesday or something like that, if I remember correctly. And I'm up there just getting a workout in and stuff like that. And and um, I remember, what I think what I remember most about AG was he was always dressed really well. You know, he was really quiet. He wasn't extremely, like, loud and vocal, you know. Um, and that team, for me, you know, the linebacker core was probably the strength of that team. You know, the Mo Lewis's, the Sam Cowards, and those stuff like that. And then Aaron Glenn, we had Aaron Glenn on one corner and we had Marcus Coleman on the other corner. AG was a short, thick cornerback, kind of like a Darrell Rivas build. And then you on the other side, you had a Marcus Coleman who was like 6'4", like tall, long, lanky, long, safety-looking type guy that played corner. And then we went and got Sam, I think it was Sam um, Garns from, this, from the, the Giants, and he played safety for us. And he was like another 6'4 type, you know. And um, our, our second, and we had D-Rob, Damian Robinson, we had picked him up from Houston. He came in with Herm. He was like the only kid that Herm had brought in with him from Houston, Texas, you know. So, um, and and it was it was a pretty solid secondary man. AG was like like shut down city on his on his block. He was shut down city. Then you look to the other side. You had Marcus Coleman, who was absolutely no joke, and he would come up and thump you. And then you had Sam Garns that were coming downhill from the safety spot. And then your three linebackers um, was Mo Lewis. He was like six four out of Georgia, Uni- University of Georgia, six four, like two sixty five at Mike. Then you had Sam Coward from Florida State. And then um, I think the other one, I can't remember who the other one was, but he was a freaking stud. Um, Marvin Jones, Sam Coward, Sam Coward and Mo Lewis. Those are all three linebackers right there, you know, and they was dudes. Then we had John Abraham. We had Sean at Big Cat Ellis, you know, on, on the D-line. We had some studs right there too, man. It was just – it was a phenomenal defense he played on. At that point, it was the best defense i ever seen in my life, of course, right? And they was dogs. The whole defense was dogs. And then I left there and went to Tampa and, and had, had all these other guys like the Derrick Brooks, the Simeon Rices, the Rundy Barbers, you know, all those guys. And I leave there and go to Baltimore, you know, with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Suggs and all those guys. So, I mean, my entire career was filled with phenomenal defenses. And Aaron Glenn was the spark that started that whole thing. You know, I, you know what I remember about AG? One time we had a guy on our team named Eric Abagu. And he was the guy that you see when Under Armour first came out. Will you protect this house? And he would be that big, swole, mannequin-looking type guy. Yeah, he played D-line for us in New York with the Jets. (laughs) So Under Armour actually brought all their prototype stuff to New York first because of Eric. Eric was roommates with the guys that own Under Armour in Maryland. University of Maryland. So he would bring this stuff and say, hey, man, my guys got this prototype stuff. I want y'all to try it out. And I remember the first prototype Under Armour gear was this zip-up bodysuit. 
and AG Ward in practice. And everybody like, AG, what the hell you got on, bro? Like it was, <laughs> it's like you you had to like step in it, pull both legs to it, pull it up over your shoulders, and then zip it up from the front. And it had the pads and the ribs and then the shoulder pads. You know how they got the body shirts now and his pants? Yeah. Eye pads and the hip and the butt. It was like the, it was like at the time it was comical. You know, it was like, bro, nobody never seen anything like this before. It was a full body suit. Now they actually just got the shirts and the shorts separately because they figured none of us liked it. But yeah. we was the prototype. We was the testers for all the Under Armour stuff. They would bring that stuff and AG and the DBs and, this, and, the, and those guys would wear that stuff because of Eric Abagu. And it was a pretty cool situation. But um, AG was like player rep type guy, him and Kevin Mawai, our starting center. And um, he was just a phenomenal guy, man. Just a great all around. He was probably, him and Curtis Martin was probably the first true pros I think I've ever really truly examined. Like they carried themselves like true professionals. Like if you see a doctor walking into a doctor office and he's the best doctor in the building, he walks in with his specs on and his briefcase and he's so professional with his suit on and he go in there and take that stuff off, you know, wash his hands, put his scrubs on and put his you know, headgear and his mask on and stethoscope. That was like AG. He was surgical with everything he did. He was always fresh, always really, really clean, extremely professional, spoke very eloquently and just, you know, just he was just a different breed. I remember owning a bunch of chicken spots down in um, back home where I think he's from te Dallas or, or from Texas somewhere down there or something if I remember correctly and I remember him owning a bunch of chicken spots him and his brother Jason they bought a bunch of franchises of some you know like Polo Loco type place down in, in, in Dallas and in, down in Texas and um, he's just a great guy man he's always been phenomenal I saw him at the NFL combine when I was doing the, the scouting thing with the Ravens I told you I did back in like 2020 or 2019 or something like that and I saw him we spoke a little bit man AG just he's a dope guy you got Guys are blessed to have him, man. Don't take it for granted because eventually he's going to be out of there, and you're going to next miss season. Him. Next season, we think we're losing <laughs> yeah, both next of our season. guys. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Expect, yeah. We're, we're expecting to lose both our OC and our DC um, next year. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't not see that not happening because usually when you do really well and you guys have, they've turned around the entire program. And if you ever listen to AG speak, it's very oh, direct. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's very, it's very direct. He's not going to spend a lot of time wasting time on a bunch of BS. He's extremely direct and straight to the point. I love it. Yeah. All right. That's going to be a wrap to the episode. Uh, Daniel, where could they find you on social media, your podcast? Where, where, where could they find all that? Well, the podcast is on every podcast network. It's Believe in the Ravens, and it's myself and my man, Kyrie Thompson, man. Ty Kyrie's just took over this year as the main host, and I'm the co-host of the show, and he's doing a phenomenal job, man. I really like it with Kyrie, and we're starting to develop and grow. So you can actually catch the podcast on Believe in the Ravens on any podcast platform across the, the world we're, we're pretty much on there in the believe network and then um ig i'm, I'm daniel dot wilcox on ig and twitter i'm at coach wilcox on twitter so if you guys need anything from me feel free to reach out any conversation you guys want don't hesitate at all you know lock me in guys you know every time y'all want to come back and just talk football it ain't got to be about detroit and the ravens I, I always hate to talk to guys that's going to lose like later on in the week so anytime it's not a detroit ravens game you guys just want to talk football man y'all just call me man you know we can talk football without me knowing you guys are going to lose you know what i'm saying oh like, so now you're doing what i was doing i got absolutely you. absolutely i'm returning the favor pierre I, like i, I told you I, I, was, I was picking up what you was putting down earlier when you started setting me up i felt like i was talking to my wife almost man. i don't like it. 
<laughs> hey All man, right, man. more respect for you, man. We had a blast with you, man. Uh, I'll, you I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a call on Monday while I'm celebrating Victory Monday, and you know, give you a congratulations and a good game. So yeah, appreciate well, you coming well, on. Well, Victory Monday is my day off, so don't call me then. Okay, then I'll wait, I'll wait for Tuesday. <laughs> call again to your secretary or something. <laughs> all right, Daniel, I appreciate you. Uh, all right, appreciate. Good. Hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. I'm out, guys. Peace. Be safe, man. You guys are dope.